This podcast is sponsored by Focus Hope. The views, beliefs, and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or other participants do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Focus Hope, nor do they necessarily reflect or represent the official policies of Focus Hope. Thank you. Hope Speaks, a podcast unifying the communities of Metro Detroit. Welcome to season one, Maturish, where we educate the boomers, zoomers, and everyone in between. We're your hosts, Asma and Jess. Welcome back to our podcast, Maturish. In today's episode, Detroitish, we will be getting into the diverse cultures around Metro Detroit particularly within our contrasting ethnic communities. And joined with us in leading this conversation is Guadalupe. Guadalupe, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, thanks. My name is Guadalupe Avalos. I am part of the Latinx community in Southwest Detroit, and I am a recent graduate from Cass Technical High School. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so, Guadalupe, can you talk about a bit about what living in Southwest Detroit was like for you? Sure. So I basically grew up here. I was born in California and my parents moved here when I was two. It just felt very homey. Like nobody, it was a few people that were different than me, but for the most part, it was a lot of Hispanic people in the community. Everybody ate the same thing, shopped at the same supermarkets. The supermarkets had the food that we ate. Everybody spoke the same language. It wasn't a lot of uh, people that were being different. Or not fitting in. Everybody just kind of fit into their own community. Okay. That's that's really interesting because it kind of reminds me of my own background. Like, it's all the same people, same backgrounds. We all shopped at, like, the same places. It's nothing really out of the ordinary, especially when you're younger. Because you don't really realize that you're just around everyone that's just like you. Yeah, especially what you're saying about the grocery stores, like where I come from in my community. Um, we go to like the Arab grocery stores for all the things we need. Unless you want like American snacks, then you'll go to like Kroger or something. But, like if you're getting your meat and your vegetables and things like that, that's where you'll go. And you always call the place by like the owner's name. Like no one actually knows the name of the place because like that's not even like a thing. Just the guy's name that owns it. I, n- I never heard of that. <laughs> really? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's always like Abu Hussein or Abu something. It's so funny. It's kind of weird because we don't do that. We have like the supermarkets, but we don't call them by the names. They just have a nickname. So I think Prince Valley Supermarket, we call it La Gigante, which just means the giant grocery store. <laughs> and then there's like a, a corner, uh, like a liquor store down the street that's just Onta Jason, which basically means where Jason is. Because apparently Jason is the owner. I have no clue who Jason is. That's so funny. It's like, um, I guess every like every community has their own nickname for something. Uh, let me think. Like at our when I was growing up, we had this was the bakery, and it was it was called Sunnyside, but we just called it like Eggs because Sunnyside <laughs> Eggs, like Sunnyside Up. I don't know. It was really funny, but like you have a nickname for like little things or little mm-hmm. places. Which is what I find a lot of people have growing up. Yeah. Jasmine, so have you, like, always, your family always lived around Metro Detroit? Or did you guys, like, come here, 
like Guadalupe when she came here. She was like two. So I I I was born and raised in Metro Detroit, but um, so was my mom. But a lot of my family are actually from Memphis, Tennessee, and like occasionally every summer we might go back and forth or like stay there for a while and come back. But yeah, like over two hundred people from my family are in Memphis. Tennessee and like the rest of us are like here or spread out a little bit because people are going to college and stuff. But yeah, mostly majority are either here or in Memphis. So it's like sometimes um, when I do go there, I get like a country (laughs) accent or something where I start like talking more Southern. And it's really funny because sometimes I don't even mean to do it. Mm -hmm. But then like my friends will point out like that was just really Southern of you. Yeah. Um. What about you, Asma? You, you're not what you are. First gen. Yeah, I'm first generation. So I was born here, and um, my parents immigrated here. So first, my dad immigrated here in his like twenties with his brother, and like did that whole like broke college life and um working and things like that because his whole family was like back in Lebanon. Um, and then he went back, got married. And then brought my mom over here. <laughs> and, you know, and then I'm here now. But basically, um, I've just lived in my community surrounded by Arabs and Muslims. And, you know, like, at least for me, I grew up really close with, um, like, my cousins. Like, when we were first growing up, we were a lot more, like, poor. So we were all just, like, living one, like, like you know those two houses? Mm-hmm. Two a flat. House? Yeah, like, those two house, like, um, apartment kind of thingies. Um, we used to just all live in one together, like my aunt, my uncle, my cousins, me, my family, things like that. Um, I don't remember much, but yeah. And we're still all really close, like within like two minutes walking distance. Um, like literally some of us are neighbors. No, that's so cool. I, I, I had a similar situation like that for a minute. Like we didn't all like live together, but we lived together. Mm-hmm. It was like we, it was a huge apartment complex and then like. My grandma, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, they all stayed in the apartment complex. So we would, like, run floor to floor to each other. And then, like, when we would get sick of one family member, we would go to the next room. And it would be, like, either, like, a room over or a floor down. That was, was like, my living situation. Um, Guadalupe, did you have any, like, thing like that growing up? Hmm. Well, my family is just kind of all over the place since my parents immigrated from Mexico and they met in California, so I have a lot of family over there. And after that, they just kind of went whenever they saw an opportunity. I think my dad talks about how he went to, like, Virginia and worked there for him, and I'm like, what are you doing in Virginia? (laughs) And then uh, somehow we ended up in Detroit, and his cousin ended up in Detroit, an uncle in Chicago, and I have another uncle in Detroit. But it's kind of weird because my aunt's family, she married into the family, right? And her parents, they became citizens when they came here. And so she's a citizen. And it's really weird to have Hispanic citizens in southwest Detroit. So it's like, great because now she has privilege and we're all like can you do this for me but basically her and her sisters all live on the same street which is down the street for me 
and all my little cousins and my cousin's cousins live down the street from me. But they're all, like, I couldn't really connect with them because they're all, like, 9 and 10 and 12 years old. So they're just the most annoying boogers ever. And <laughs> they will ride their bikes like crazy down the street. And I'm like, stop it. You're going to get run over. But, yeah, that's basically it. That's really funny. Um, Me, my family, surprisingly, there's, like, a lot of different age groups. Like, I was, like... Out of all of my cousins, I was, like, in my, like, group, because we, like, group our cousins, like, youngest, like, teenager, like, young adults, and then, like, adults. And it was, like, I was, like, out of the youngest in my group, but we all still always hung out and got along really well. Like, my sister is four years older than me, so she's 21, and then my uncle is about um, six, seven years older than me, so we all were in, like, the age bracket of hanging out with each other, and we would do, like, the wildest things together, even though, like, I was so little and, like, younger than all of them. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, I guess that made it better for me because it was, like, I got to hang out with all the, the big kids, and mm-hmm. I got to ride a mattress down the stairs and just, like, <laughs> act like, I don't know. It was just, it was just fun for me. So, I mean, I guess that is different, Ozma, when it comes to your family, do you guys have, like, age groups that you, like, will stick in cousin-wise or that you, like, won't, like, always hang out with more or? Yeah, so, like, there's so many of us. So there's, like, someone's graduating every year. Like, we're all just one after another. Like, everyone's just coming after another by, like, a year or even less. Um, but I've never, I'm still considered the kid, and I, I could be married and have kids, and I'm still going to be considered, like, the kid of the family, just because there's so many that have come before me. Um, but, like, I'm really close with the ones, like, in my age group, or, like, a few years older than me. Oh, yeah, and there's always, like, that one cousin. I mean, everyone knows you get compared to your cousins. Like, why can't you be like them, or they went here, they went to that college. Um, but there's always, like, that one cousin that all the parents, like, rely on for, like, you know, fixing the food stamp card or, like, figuring out, like, certain, like, banking things like that. Um, That's kind of all of our jobs are coming from immigrant families. Um, You know, call customer service or do this or do the cable. (laughs) And it's, like, really funny, but, you know, I feel like, Guadalupe, do you ever have to, like, experience that? Every day. I remember, like, as soon as I could properly speak, I was the translator for my family. When we went to the dentist, when we went to the doctor, um, we went to a majorly Hispanic school, so that wasn't a problem there. But if we went to a situation where it was mostly English-speaking, I had to be the translator. Mm -hmm. When the power went out in Detroit and uh, we didn't have electricity for, like, three days, my mom had me call DTE, like, three times. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what you were saying about, like, the citizenship thing? Mm -hmm. Um, I was, like, it reminded me, because, like, in in our community, there's so many jokes about, like, oh, don't marry, like people from here here because like everyone's out to get a green card mm. like if you go to Lebanon or you go to the Middle East and you come back with like um like a husband or a wife everyone knows it's suspicious because they just want you for the green card Ooh. that is that's crazy like I've always seen that in like a movie or something yeah They're like um like what was it it was like a movie and then he was like I'll marry you to get the proposal you. yes yeah. yeah Sandra Bullock yes <laughs> but she's Canadian. It's not even the same thing. <laughs> she can easily get a green card. Bro. Yeah, I know. Not even close. That that's funny. Like I never actually heard. Like I've heard about it, 
Well, like, I make those jokes about my mom. I'm sorry, mom, but <laughs> he married my dad right after she finished, like, high school in Lebanon. And he was already in America. And he was a lot older than all the other people that were asking to marry her. So I was just like, I know you did it for the good. Like, I know you did it to come to America. <laughs> that is really, really It's funny. definitely a thing. I A lot of people, you can get, like you said, you can get green cards fixed for your family members or if you get married into the family and my mom has been just wanting me (laughs) to like turn 18 (laughs) so I can help her fix her card but at this point it's not even possible that help is lost it's just it's like the worst thing where like there's like those really really weird aunties that come and trying to pair you up with like their son who's like your cousin (laughs) or like something really weird and I'm just not about that but like my parents are the kind of immigrants that are like college work money then think about whatever you want like I definitely get that especially since my parents didn't have an education they Mm -hmm. didn't graduate from high school um I think they my dad immigrated to the U.S. when he was 17 my mom when she was 18 so they both started families really early and they didn't want the same for me so they've always been pushing college really hard and the pressure has been so intense mm-hmm. I remember like being a kid and I have five siblings so that was even more intense just always having to be the good example for all your small siblings yeah yeah I'm, I'm the middle child so it's like <laughs> me too. it's a bit different my sister like branched off to do her own thing she's more in like um like cosmetology field but then, like, with my mom, she was a teen mom. She she had kids really young, so she really wanted me to not do what she did and repeat mm-hmm. her, um, like, not mistakes, but her decisions. Mm-hmm. And then she, she pushes college a lot, too. Yeah. And she's really prone on that because then, especially when you are really good in school and you get the grades mm-hmm. you get, she's like, yeah, you're college-bound. We're, <laughs> we're going to college. Mm-hmm. And then she always says, like, we're going to college. And it's yeah. so funny to me. Yeah, it's so crazy how I think about how my grandma didn't even know how to read or write, but I'm over here going to college, and it makes me really proud of my parents and everything they did to get me this far, but it's definitely, like, a weird sort of pressure. Like, nobody's ever done it before. You have to be a first-generation college student. Good luck. And and it's also, like, you have to be a doctor. It's not your your opinion. Yeah, it's so weird. They're like, what are you going for school? I'm going for social work. So what do they they do? (laughs) That's so true. Like, I don't even know why they ask the question, like, what are you going to do? Because we all know what you're going to make me do. Or what you want me to do. And then if I don't do that, you're like, "Mm." Yeah, like, I have, like, people, like, um, in my family, like, going out of, like, the medical field and doing, like, things like maybe politics or, like, public health, things like that, if you even try to explain it, like, even this job I have right now with, like, youth media content with um, Focus Hope Generation Promise, my parents don't understand what it is. Like, oh, they only understand doctor. <laughs> yeah, I just told my parents, yeah, I'm gonna come here and get interviewed. <laughs> See, yeah, like, with my mom, I think she's a more, like, she's more open to that type of thing. And I've talked a bit about this with um, other people, but in my family, everyone does something different. So I've always grown up around an environment with being able to experience, like, just about every career and seeing what I want to do. Like, a lot of my family members own businesses. They Mm -hmm. are entrepreneurs. They like being their own boss, or they have, like, passive income. Mm -hmm. 
and they do all these big things. So I get to literally grow up and experience all these different careers. Like my aunts, like some of them do hair, they own hair shops, and I get to see if I like that or not. Um, my um, cousins, some of them are doctors, surgeons, um, head of surgery and stuff, and I get to see if I like doing those things, or some are just nurses and all these other fields. So I've always grown up around, like, diverse careers. So I've yeah. always had that that um, stepping stone to, like, basically decide. And because my mom sees so many of her sisters, brothers, cousins and stuff doing some of these things and being as successful as they are, that's why she's more open to me, like, being able to branch out and do what I think will be what I want to do. Yeah, that's so cool. That, like, reminds me of, like, in my community, because we're all, like, Arabs and Muslims, there's, like, this joke, because, like, everyone's dad owns a gas station. Like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, you don't even ask what a kid does, or, like, I'm working with my dad, or I have to go, like, the family business. It's either a restaurant or a gas station. Like, that's it. <laughs> it's so funny, but um, there's also, like, a lot of things about, like, my community that make it what it is, like our traditions and things like that, that go with like our religion, you know, like Ramadan and things like that. Um, do any of you guys have that kind of thing? Mm, traditions? Mm. But when I think about traditions, I think about like a typical Christmas. Yeah. It's it's very Americanized in the way that we have a tree and we celebrate on the 24th. In Mexico, they wait until like the three wise men come and that's when they get the gifts in January 7th or something. But, you know, since we're here, we just celebrate on the 24th. What's really cool, I think that's different than we do than, like, general America, mm -hmm. is there's this thing that we do called posadas. So it's basically just, like, a, a community of prayer. It's mostly just the old ladies and the moms, to be honest. And then they bring their children over to somebody's house, and they'll have, like, uh, an hour of prayer. And then at the end, they'll have a little celebration with, like, hot chocolate and pan dulce, so, like, conchas and stuff like that, and maybe you get to break a piñata, and, and that's really, I love that as a child, just going to posadas in Christmas, we couldn't do that because of COVID, but it was really sweet. Okay, I have a question, I've seen this, like, a lot in media, what is a carne asada? Ooh, carne asada is just a barbecue. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's just a, a barbecue, it's funny because, uh, we roast beef, right? And we turn it over in the barbecue. And it's really good, man. I just love carne asada. It's delicious. Yeah. We were talking about it before, um, like when we were here, um, about like the foods we eat. And like in my culture, we eat a lot of raw meat. And I always thought it was so normal, like growing up, like being a four-year-old and just eating a bunch of red raw meat. And I still, I love it. It tastes so good. But so many people are rooted out by it. I'm, I'm not weirded out. It's just something I've never heard of. Yeah. It's so good. I would bring it, but, like, it goes bad if you don't eat it right away. <laughs> Obviously, because it's raw. The thing that I get with food is that if I see rice and it's white, I'm already unappetized. I hate it. white rice. It's like, if it's not a little bit of orange or red tint, I it's like, what is this? Where is the flavor? As to have, like, some sort of, some sort of vegetable in it, right? Like those, they have white rice in it, but they're not like that tinted white because of the sauce and everything. I mean, yeah, the sauce was mostly like the the flavor presence that was there. But if I you just give me like a bowl of white rice, it's just I'm not gonna really eat it. <laughs> <laughs> and 
in my community, there's like, because um, of our religion and a lot of our like Arab culture, we have a lot of those like traditions that I was talking about, like Ramadan, 30 days of fasting. And I've talked about it before. Um, everyone's asleep during the day and we all wake up at night, kind of. And like, if you go there and you don't know about what's going on and you go to like a restaurant or something or like a bakery, most likely they might be closed or just not working or they hate you if you make them work because no one comes during the day because you can't eat. And then at night, everyone opens up and there's food trucks and food stands and everyone's awake all um all night just like eating mm. and things like that so that's what we have and then we also have our mosque our jamer which is actually the largest mosque um in america is actually in my community and it's kind of where everyone goes and we celebrate like Eid and things like that but about your, what you're saying about like americanized things for some reason you will find us still celebrating christmas <laughs> and <laughs> like but honestly it's like the lebanese of our community, which I can say this because I'm Lebanese, but Lebanese are kind of like the white people <laughs> of the Arab world. And you find them the most assimilating to like that whiteness of America, probably because we have that kind of whiter tone in our skin because we were like colonized by the French and all that kind of thing. Um, but like a lot of the other people coming from other Arab countries don't celebrate or are as Americanized as we are. And I find that really surprising. And then you see a lot of, like, of that segregation within our own community and how we discriminate ourselves and make, like, a micro-society. And we see that a lot in our schools, too. So, like, how about you guys in your schools? Do you guys ever, like, based on cultures and ethnic backgrounds? (sighs) It's disappointing, but yes. Uh, I go to Cass Technical High School, and it's actually one of the most diverse high schools, I think. I don't really have a lot of experience, but we have um, Middle Eastern... I think we have a few Asian Americans. We have a majority of the population at the school is black. We have a few Hispanic uh, students as well. And like a really tiny percentage of white students. There's always like, whenever you see a white student cast, you're like, oh, wow. You go here? (laughs) Exactly. Same, yeah. Uh, But it's really sad because it's just kind of like a tiny representative of Detroit. So Detroit is super diverse. But then when it comes together, we're all separated. So at, like, the lunch table, there would be, like, a lunch table for the Hispanic kids. The Muslim kids would always have their group. And it makes sense because you connect to the people who you know better, right? Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it was just weird. I personally never connected with the Hispanic kids. Uh, I don't know. It was just weird. <laughs> yeah, you feel like there's a pressure, right? Like, that you're... They always ask you, you have to. Everyone yeah. is always asking me, so like, do you know so-and-so? And they always just list Hispanic names. Like, and I'm like, no, I don't talk to any of these mm-hmm. people. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I get it. Like, at my school, we're pretty, we're pretty diverse. It actually used to be a white majority school. But now, there's not that many white students <laughs> at our school. I feel that, yeah. It's like, there's a lot of black students. There's a lot of, um, there's a decent amount of Hispanic students. There is some white students. There's a lot of Asian students. There's there's a lot of everyone. And everyone, like, I don't know. It's something about my school where people tend to, like, branch off into groups. But then those groups tend to go merge with other groups. So it's like at our lunch, everybody will sit separate. And then eventually everyone will be in one space together. And we'll all just be, like, laughing together. And we'll, like... I don't know. It's kind of, like, different from what a lot of people say their schools are like because everyone just gets along really well. 
And obviously there's some people who don't get along as well, but there's no real like group of people mm-hmm. who are just like, no, we're we're separated. This is us. This is us. Every like friend group of people that you see within the school has more than one ethnicity within it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's all, it's very diverse, and that's why a lot of people like tend to get along with each other because we're always around each other, and then we all like just like hop in each other's conversations sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes, like out in a public space, that that would be more so disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But it's like everyone's just so like close knit with each other. It's 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 different than a lot of other people's school experiences. Yeah, mine's not really like that. I mean, being from Dearborn and, like, Fortson used to be an all-white school because, like, Henry Ford and all that. Then all the Arabs came into the community, and now when I'm telling you, everyone is Arab and Muslim, and, like, rarely would you find someone not. And when you do, you're just kind of like, hmm, what are you doing here? Right. <laughs> like, we, you're not supposed to be here. Um, no, but, like, we have, like, maybe a handful in all of the school. And we have a really large school, so that's saying a lot about how many Arab and Muslims are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like because we all have that shared identity, we discriminate on things that are so much more, like, smaller. And people, it's actually kind of funny because of how, like, stupid it is. But, you know, like, you'd have, like, if you're from Yemen or if you're from Lebanon or if you're from Iraq, you're separated into those groups. And then there's a lot of conflicts with, like, those students and also because, like, the different skin tones because different countries have been colonized by different um, um, people and things like that. But, again, it's all about, like, we're all kind of measured on this, like, spectrum of, like, how Muslim you are. Mm. Especially, like, me being um, a hijabi. So, basically, I am kind of pushed to be friends with hijabis. Like, most likely, if you see a girl that wears hijab, she's going to be friends with hijabis. And girls that aren't are friends with the girls that aren't. And that kind of goes um, in a way that's, like, they push you to make those friends and, like, stay in that social identity that you have. And they always judge the hijabi, which is, like, something I hate because I could wear hijab, like, outside of Dearborn or um, just outside of my Arab community bubble and um, things like that. But at the same time, I feel like I face discrimination there in a different way. That's like, oh, does the girl, does she show her ankles? Does she show her wrist? Does she wear her scarf in this way? Is it a turban? Is it, does she show like pieces of her hair? Does she, is she quiet? Um, does she, you know, touch other genders? Does she like put her hand on her chest like in a way to like salim, which is basically like saying hello, but in a, like a kind of like respectful religious way. Like all these like intense rules put on a girl for wearing it. And I would never find that somewhere not living in like my bubble of like, Arabs and Muslims, but it's here because we're all just like try to make the we do this we make this micro society, and it's so bad, and it's why so many people hate living there. Um, and then like school wise, you know, no everyone gets so surprised if they find like hijabi that like talks a lot or like you know has something to say that isn't religious or something like that. So it's so surprising to see that even though these people have the identity as you, they still discriminate against you because they look at you and they see their mom. Or their grandma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and then, like, what I was talking about, like, Yemeni or Lebanese or Iraqi. We even discriminate against ourselves, like, at such, like, a small level of, like, what country you're from. And it, I feel like it's just because we're not surrounded by, like, other people, like, white people or black people. That, like, we're just prone to, like, split into groups. And mm-hmm. that's the way we do it. 
And I think it's, like, so horrible, and it's what I really don't like about it. Yeah, I think a lot of, like, movies, media tend to portray that school, especially high school, has to be put into, like, groups. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone has to split into a group. They have to fit in with the people they have to fit in. You can't branch out. Like, a lot of movies and stuff, they say, oh, you're either a jock, you're a nerd, a skater, or, you know, any other type of, like, stereotype high school group. But I just think that's, like, a really, really dumb norm that people mm -hmm. portray. Yeah, my high school is not really like that. And I feel like it's just because, like, we're so different. Um, our, We don't even have, like, cheerleaders. We have, like, three cheerle cheerleaders. And, like, they get made fun of because nobody likes cheerleading. Like, we're not a normal high school in that way. Wow. I definitely relate to just discriminating against your own race in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to prove yourself to your own race. Mm -hmm. On one hand, because of my skin color, I'm white passing. And, I, like, it's not made fun of, but a lot of Hispanic communities, they like to poke at you for, like, things that are weird about you. Mm -hmm. So they'll call you Wera or, like, Gringa or stuff like that. And they'll basically just call me for my whiteness. Or if you don't speak Spanish, they'll feel some sort of way about you because you don't speak Spanish. And I think going back to the school, I'm definitely going to blame uh, the Hispanic race for not intermingling. I can't really blame, like, my parents or, my like, the older generation because they went through a lot immigrating here. They didn't know Spanish. I mean, they didn't know English. And they didn't really have, like, a driver's license or they didn't really know anybody. So how are they going to branch out, you know? But I feel like the second generation and generations onward if you just keep sticking to yourself and not really branching out, that's disappointing and it yeah. shows that you're not growing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. Um, it's like when in the black community sometimes, if you're more, if you talk more educated or you, you just don't like talk in a certain way or you just, you speak more quote unquote what's considered proper or like if you just use what is considered proper English sometimes, you'll be asked, like, why are you talking white? Or mm -hmm. um, why are you acting white? And then you're just like, what do you mean? I'm just speaking English. I'm just I'm just talking to you. So, yeah, sometimes, like, yeah, your own community might be, um, tar it might target themselves a lot. And I think that's what a lot of different communities face. I think we also have to be more mindful of other minorities because, like I said, uh, the Hispanic community is really close-knit together and they don't want to trust other minorities. Uh, like, or literally anyone who's not Hispanic, they'll be like, yeah, don't talk to them, don't trust them. But I think we do need to branch out and see that other minorities are kind of going through the same struggle. But it's really difficult to. I mean, I felt comfortable doing that at CAST because it was pretty diverse. So I talked to different kinds of people. But when it came back to Southwest Detroit, if I saw a black person walking down the street, I'd be like, huh, who invited them? <laughs> you know, I'd be like, where did you come from? And it's not like I have anything against them. It's just really weird to see. And it sh I don't think it should be weird to see. Yeah, I, I think people do do that a lot. Like, in a black community growing up, if you were to see someone white, you're just like, um, mm -hmm. who, 
Yeah, it's the same thing in my community. Someone that's not Arab or Muslim is like, oh, they're probably here for the food or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just like they stick out like what people would say, like a sore thumb. You're just yeah. like, mm, I've never seen you here before. And I feel like that's kind of weird because it's not like we're closed off to anybody else. Yeah, but it really shows like the segregation of Metro Detroit. Yes. Like I live so close to Detroit, but... Like, we also feel like we're so far away because no one wants to branch out of our community. And there's segregation. Like, it's based on our ethnic groups. So, like, mm-hmm. Southwest is the Latinx community. And then, like, Dearborn, the Arab community. And, um, you know, it's horrible, like, what we were talking about. But then I also see, like, when I branch out, which I feel like a lot of the younger generations are doing now, which yeah. is, like, I think is great. That they're branching out and, like, kind of broadening their sense of community as in a like, showing that I am a part of the Metro Detroit community. Um, you're learning new things and you're experiencing new things. And now I feel like I've seen a lot of differences based on where I used to live and, like, what I was talking about, leaving my community bubble. And while I do face, like, discrimination for, like, wearing hijab, I'm easy to identify. Mm-hmm. And I get questions asked, like, the weirdest questions. Like, someone asked me if I'm already married, if my dad already, like, literally sold me and got me married when I was, like, 14. I was like, um, okay, we're at, like, a retreat, literally, like, at Wayne State. And I was like, you guys are, like, so weird. Okay. Yeah, and I've gotten, like, a, so many different things. But, um, so a lot of people don't want to leave our community because they just don't want to face that because they just want to stay with the people that look like them and feel safe. But then, again, I don't want to do that because, like I was saying, we have those micro-societies and we also, like, I don't want to live somewhere that everyone just – I feel, like, trapped that, like, people want me to just stay here and not leave. Like, over there, that's where the terrorists live, or that's where they live under, like, their own rule. Like, some people genuinely think, even though we live in Michigan, in the United States, that we live, like, with a completely different legal system and just living on our own, like, Muslim laws and things like that. And I'm like, that's literally impossible. Yeah, that's that's really weird. Yeah. it That's, that's really crazy. Like, I've, I'm just not realizing that a lot of people really really do that mm-hmm. it's like i'm i'm located in east point and east point used to be referred just as east detroit but now there's a lot of businesses and even the schools and stuff that are don't want to like be rude to these people but they're white owned so they don't want detroit like they don't want that name in that area because they think that it like their gentrification they're coming in here yeah yeah, they don't want that name to be, they don't want to they don't want their businesses and stuff to be seen as a Detroit business and stuff, which I don't get what the problem with that yeah, is. What's wrong with that? Because I guess a lot of people will look at Detroit and say, "Oh, that's violent. That's very crazy. Crazy people go mm-hmm. there. People live there. It's all shooting and so forth and so on." So like a school there, they changed their name from like East Detroit to East Point. And I was just, like, really confused about it because I'm like, what was the problem with it? And, you know, then I've seen a lot of businesses go from East Detroit to East Point such and such or East Point this, East Point that. So then eventually, like, the name East Point just stuck on that city, even though it was referred to as East Detroit for a very long period of time. So I just never really understood that. And it really, it really kind of threw me off for a bit, especially when I was younger. But then I'm just like, you know, you get older and you just realize why things are changing the way they changed. Yeah. Like, when I grew up learning about Detroit, even though I was, like, literally 
five minute walk or I could just like, because I used to live like really close to it, but still in the Dearborn area. Um, I still knew nothing. And the only things I knew were like things I would see on TV and people's like stereotypes of like what you were saying. Um, but then later when I started educating myself and learning about like redlining and leaving my community and what everyone in my community like wants me to think, um, I've like, now I work in with Focus Hope, you know, based in, um, in Detroit and now I'm learning all these different things I didn't before. And Guadalupe, have you ever had like that experience, like what you used to think about Detroit or what they kind of, you were educated to think and now what you've seen? High key, I'm going to be so serious. I did not realize I was living in Detroit until I went to high school. Because really? nobody nobody, nobody in my community talks about Detroit. They're not like, yeah, Detroit this, Detroit that. It's just like, oh, we're from Mexico or we're from like this state in Mexico or we're from like Puerto Rico or we're from this. They, that's what they talk about. They don't talk about anything about Detroit. And like I said, we don't really branch out. So I think it was when I went to high school that I realized, oh, we're living in this cool city called Detroit, and it's pretty awesome. I think all I knew about Detroit before then was just that we made cars, and then there was a bunch of abandoned houses everywhere, and that it was a bunch of black people, and white people didn't want to live here, and that's just that's just what it was, and that it was just like this abandoned place that nobody really wanted to take or like live in that nobody really liked it here you know and driving around my community you would see a lot of that uh I think it was especially like the trash in the abandoned houses mm -hmm. that I took in especially as a kid because that's what you see and seeing how I just lived in this city where it was kind of deserted I guess which it's not now that I look at it, it's, like, really vibrant, but that's what you get a lot from it. And it's so much bigger than I thought it was. I invited some friends to a park in Dearborn because I live really close to there, like, three streets away. And they told me it was a 30-minute drive for them. <laughs> like, how big is this city? So I just, it's so much about Detroit that I was so glad to learn and reach out about different things in downtown, east side, west side, and outside Metro Detroit as well that I didn't even know about. Yeah, like you're actually from Detroit and you lived there and you grew up there and you still were just not. I had no clue. Yeah, fully educated. <laughs> no clue. That is really, that's really different. I never, this is another thing I've never really heard of. It's like everyone refers to like a location as something else sometimes, especially when growing mm -hmm. up, you're just like, oh, it's a place. And then like growing up, you realize Oh, there's a name of this place? Yeah. I did not know there was an east and west side until I went to high school. I did not know. And then people were talking about east or west side. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what side I'm from. And then I found out I was from southwest. Yeah, it's like, I, I never really thought there was, like, boundaries east-west. And, like, I'm like, um, okay, whatever. Because, like, I had family that was literally from both sides. So, like, I remember I was asked, like, what side of... Detroit, are you from? And I'm like, both. <laughs> like, I'm like, all of it. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I just really didn't know. And it's like, I don't know why that's such a big thing and why they try to like down put one side and uplift the other side. And I'm like, I've seen the good and bad of both sides of Detroit. So there's, there's yeah. no like trying to decipher which is better and which is worse because each side and each area, like, everywhere has their good and bad. So, like, trying to just split up a place even more 
then it's already split up yeah. into groups. Is It's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, like, Detroit's segregated, and then Metro Detroit, and then in my community is also segregated. We have, like, West Dearborn and East Dearborn. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, everywhere there's always this issue, but our West Dearborn is very white populated and um, a lot more on the wealthy side, and then the East Dearborn, and there's also South Dearborn, um, have, like, are the poorer areas and have, like, the Arab communities and things like that. And, like, the flood that just happened mm -hmm. was so, so horrible in Dearborn. But West Dearborn had, like, no damage. And then East Dearborn had, like, all the damage. And South Dearborn, so much damage. Like, every single person, all everything they owned was just out on the street. And it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. And it's, like, all horrible. And no one's, well, at least I know a lot that aren't getting, like, insurance money or help in any way. Our roads aren't being fixed. The... the like, the pipelines and the sewage systems. Like, my house flooded because it literally came out of, like, the toilet because uh -huh. um, they wouldn't fix our sewage systems like they do in, like, the west side. And, again, like, you see that discrimination. And I also see, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but, like, you know code switching? Yes. Yep. Like, when I, like, when you talk to, like, order food online or, like, um, yeah, on the phone <laughs> or, like, customer service, my voice always goes to white girl voice. Yes. Yeah, or like I leave my community. You I try my name to Karen. <laughs> like I try not to speak Arabic. Like don't slip up, or I try because also again my language is very um, through the media and like through movies and stuff like that. It's kind of seen in a dangerous way, in a negative way. Like they hear it and they just get scared. Like they don't even know what you're saying, but they just get scared, like mm -hmm. Russian or something. Yeah. Yeah, like both those languages. Um, so I always try to like white in myself in a way, even though it's I can't because I wear a hijab. But try and act as American as possible. Yeah, like, I code switch a lot. It's like, especially when you're with your friends at school or something, and then you're talking to, like, a teacher or something, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your teacher, you're like, yes, hi, how are you? <laughs> and then, especially, like, ordering food, like you said, or on the phone. Like, when I went to open my bank account, I was like... <laughs> I was, like, sitting up, like, straight, <laughs> like, back straight. And I was, like, really... Like, focusing on what I was saying before I said it yet. Oh, I had, yeah. like, my hands crossed in my lap and stuff. And I'm like, yes, I would like to open an account with you. Um, and so forth and so on. And it was just, I was just like, ugh. And I walked out. And I'm just like, yeah, I did it. And whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And hearing you guys' stories about code switching is really interesting because I'm white passing. There is nothing to distinguish me of my Hispanic heritage except for my name. I joke around a lot with my friends. I'm going to change my name to Karen, and I'm going to be the whitest person there ever is, and I'm going to have all the privilege in the world. But, oh, man, code switching, when you have those identifiers, when you have those identifying features that you can't take off, like the color of your skin, the way you dress, it must be so much harder. But when I walk out of Metro Detroit, I can pretend to be white, and I act clearly sneaky about it. I try to be a spy for the minority people. I went to Oakland University for a tour that they had. It was a lot of white people. Oakland is pretty diverse, but it's still a lot of white people. And I was just one with the white people until they heard my name and then my cover was blown. That is so funny. It's like on TikTok I saw it was a it was a, a black man, but he was albino. So and no one realized that he was black. And I mean like obviously he doesn't look like it, but he's just like He's, like, just hanging out, and then, like, they'll say, like, they'll say, like, some slurs or something. He'll be like, do y'all, like, not know I'm black? And then they'll be, like, like, really surprised about it. And then I'm just like, 
That's crazy because it's really some undercover agents out here, <laughs> and people people don't like take enough time to realize that these people are different, and that's that's what I think we should touch on more, especially in this generation, is like realizing people's differences and um, embracing those differences. Yeah, starting to close it all off. I think that. You know, we all have our different cultures coming from our different communities. Even though we're segregated and split from each other, we're, you know, going, making those bridges and going and meeting new people and creating those different experiences like Jasmine was talking about. And even doing this episode is a way of us doing that, bringing in three different communities into one. And hopefully a lot more people can start to do that and we'll see change. So Guadalupe, if there's anything else you want to add before we close it off? No, just like you said, I'm really thankful for this experience and kind of bringing all the different parts of Detroit together because I just feel like we should just work together to make Detroit the best that it can be because if we don't, then it's not really going to get better, you know? Yeah. So, yes, thank you all so much for listening. We had a great time talking with you all today, and we hope you come back to listen. We have one more episode to go this season. Where we give our final goodbye and everything Jasmine and I have left to say. You guys can contact us through email at genofpromise at gmail.com and on our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, Focus Hope. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Maturish, a safe space for youth to talk about their ish. Come back for more rants and diverse insights. Bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Focus Hope, a Detroit-based nonprofit pledging intelligent and practical action to overcome racism, poverty, and injustice.